Hey everyone, welcome to City Church OTR's Sermons Podcast. Here you will find all of the sermons and teachings that are given at our Sunday services. We also have our original City Church OTR podcast, which has more conversations, interviews, and more interactive content. As always, we would love to meet you. Check out our Instagram to see what we're doing this week and our website, citychurchotr.com, to meet one of our pastors. Enjoy. Beyonce and the superstardom. 
and it helped propel Kelly Rowland into an impressive solo career as well. And so now everyone knows Beyonce. Uh, Kelly's found great success in her own right, winning a Grammy, producing her own record. But who's talking about Michelle? I mean, who is talking about Michelle? Who recognizes her? Who pays attention to her work? Who gives her the respect that she's due? I mean, the fact remains, Michelle was and is one, like a member of one of the most successful music groups of all time, and yet she seldom mentions or lauded or appreciated. Now, I know that might seem a little silly, but are you following my logic? Here's what it is. You see, we hear a lot about Beyonce. We hear a little less about Kelly, but who's talking about Michelle? And similarly, I want to say that when it comes to conversation about God and Christian community, we hear a lot about Jesus. There's some good conversation about our Heavenly Father, but there's been a big, big silence around the Holy Spirit. And I think it's because folks don't know what to say, they're confused about the Holy Spirit, maybe they've seen things done in the name of the Holy Spirit that have been like really weird to them, so they've backed away. But the fact is, the Christian faith is always worshipped one God in three persons. Uh, the God of the Bible has always existed in an intimate community within himself. This is the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, the reality that the Christian of God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, co-equal persons together. In this teaching, it sets Christianity apart. And it is unique to the Christian faith. And it is unparalleled in other religious systems. Christianity has always spoken of one God in three persons. The God of the Bible has always existed in three persons. And this God, the Christian uh, scriptures say, that he chose to open up that intimate community that exists within himself to the creatures he created. Which is why an invitation to experience relationship with God is always an invitation to enter in to the intimate relationship that God experiences within himself. So the doctrine of the Trinity, it's not some superfluous idea or abstract concept. It's at the heart of Christian teaching. It's central. It's in every book of the scriptures. And that's why this series exists. Because there's one member in that trinity that doesn't often get a lot of attention. So we're going to spend the next month leaning in to learn and to experience more of the Holy Spirit. Because we think the Holy Spirit is like God. He's one of God's three persons and he's worth knowing. So there doesn't have to be silence around the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to be that way. And in our church it won't be that way. We believe the doctrine of the trinity. We believe that each of God's three persons matters. And we want to lean in and learn more about the Holy Spirit. So this morning... We're diving in to learn more about the Holy Spirit. This message is probably going to stretch your head a little bit more, but don't worry. We've got that special surprise coming later. That'll get your heart. But it's head first. It's Professor Tyler. I want to introduce you through Scripture to the Holy Spirit. This is like an introduction, a get-to-know-you, call it a first date, if you will. We're going to be doing like a massive flyover of the scriptural teaching about the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does. I mean, this is just skimming the surface, but it's to get an idea of who the Holy Spirit is. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Spirit is God's personal presence. He's like this effective change maker in the Trinity who makes things happen, who carries out God's purpose in the world. And like I said, I don't just want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it in the Scripture. So I'd love for you to meet the Spirit. I would love to introduce him to you through the Bible. Uh, To do so, will you join me in Genesis chapter 1? Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It's the very first book of the Bible, the first page of your Bible. I don't know, it's like the first thing when you open your app. Maybe, maybe not. But Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, there we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. We can stop there. In Genesis 1, and this is like the very beginning of the Christian scriptures. This is like chapter 1, verse 1, first line. We are introduced to the God of the Bible. And we're introduced to God as a creator. As the all-powerful person who has made all that there is. And we can pause right here and say there are many ways that thoughtful, faithful Christians understand how God made the world, um, how that creative process unfolded. And if you have any questions about that, I know Chris cleared his calendars for coffee uh, the next few weeks, so you can just you know take them out, ask your questions about how God did it. But for the point this morning, um, what we need to notice is that the Bible begins with the bold claim that God made everything that there is. Everything that there is. But the second verse of the whole Bible identifies God's spirit as this person of the Trinity is being there and present in the midst of God's creative activity. Now what does this show me? This shows me that the spirit isn't some lesser person of our one God and three persons. In fact, I had a like a very old friend, a high school friend. I posted about this series on my Facebook and this friend did a little quote. He's like, yeah, the Christian God isn't like two persons and a dove, you know? It's like we've got this full thing of God the Father, we've got all of Jesus, and then like a little bird that floats around. No, like this is a third person in the Trinity. They're at the creation of the world, not a secondary figure at all, but intimately involved in everything God does. I mean, even there at the very beginning of the world, at the creation of all there is, the Spirit is there and the Spirit is moving. Right? So fast forward a little more in Genesis. Uh, we see the Holy Spirit a little bit later in Genesis chapter 41. Now there, the Spirit helps Joseph. Joseph, maybe you've heard about him. He's the son of like Jacob and Rachel. He's sold away by his jealous brothers into slavery. Uh, has like this crazy time in Egypt, all kinds of ups and downs. And when we get to Genesis 41, we find Joseph in prison. Uh, he's been placed in prison because some false allegations were made against him. But then Pharaoh, the ruler of all Egypt, has like a couple dreams. And they're troubling dreams, but Pharaoh can tell they're like really significant dreams. He wants to know what they mean. And so Pharaoh's cupbearer, cupbearer, who's like a bestie, a trusted servant, someone that Pharaoh knows he can rely on, he remembers, hey, Pharaoh, I met this guy when I was in prison, and his name was Joseph, and he like was really good at interpreting dreams. And Pharaoh's like, bring this guy to me. Joseph comes out of his... Uh, prison cell, he stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh recounts his dreams to Joseph. And Joseph informs Pharaoh that the dreams that he's had, they're God-given dreams, and they're warning about a famine that's about to overtake the whole land. That things are going to be very bad, Pharaoh, and so he implores Pharaoh to prepare for the coming disaster. And we see in Genesis 41, around verse 38, that Pharaoh is stunned and amazed by Joseph's interpretive ability for dreams. And so he says, hey, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? And this is fascinating to me. Because it means that Pharaoh, who doesn't worship the God of the Bible, uh, Pharaoh who would have considered himself a God, honestly, according to the religious customs of the ancient Egyptian, Pharaoh recognizes that there's something different about this guy, Joseph. And what makes Joseph different is the fact that the Holy Spirit is with him. 
And so what happens is that Pharaoh promotes this guy, Joseph, to a place of prominence. He makes him a leader in all the land. And as a result, Egypt is spared from facing the most brutal effects of this famine, right? I mean, crap still happens, but like the most brutal effects don't take place. And it's because God's spirit, God's personal presence, who was there at the creation of the world, was also there with Joseph to help him interpret Pharaoh's dreams. So we see the spirit in Genesis 1. We see him again in Genesis 41. And he appears again in Exodus chapter 31 as God's people begin to build a tabernacle for God. This is a place for God to dwell. And in Exodus 31, verse 1, the Lord says to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, understanding with knowledge and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for the work in gold and silver and bronze to cut and set stone work in wood to engage in all kinds of craft i don't know about you but i like a lot of craft i was a children's librarian for a little bit which meant i was paid to do craft uh that was an awesome job i'm still waiting for the day that chris lets me just take a day off and do all crap uh but god tells moses here in Exodus 31, the leader of his people, that he's given Bezalel, an artist. You know, there's lots of artists and people that work in creative industries in this room. Don't miss this. God says, I've given Bezalel this artist special skill through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Specifically, the ability to work in gold and silver and bronze so that Bezalel can create something absolutely beautiful and incredible, something like worthy of God's presence, a place beautiful enough for God to dwell. So God's Spirit, who was there at the creation of the world, and then God's Spirit, who was there you know, with Joseph to help him interpret dreams, is now there to empower this artisan to create both the tabernacle and then literally the Ark of the Covenant, if you've heard of that and not from a Nicholas Cage movie, uh, but empowered like this artisan to make something beautiful and unique, a special place for God. And Bezalel isn't the only person who God's Spirit empowers in the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, God's Spirit empowers normal people to do great things. So God's Spirit empowered Joshua to lead God's people. He empowered Gideon to fight for God's people. The Spirit is said to like come upon the prophets to correct God's people. Again, throughout the Old Testament, it's this language of like, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon particular people. So like, came upon Joshua, came upon Isaiah, came upon Ezekiel, right? All these big figures in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God is with them. And that language, the Spirit of God was upon them. It signaled that these normal people we're about to do some really exceptional work to advance God's purposes in the world. And all this is fascinating to me, and it like would blow people's minds years later when Jesus, who is now God come to earth, used this same language in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, where Jesus quotes the Old Testament prophet Isaiah and says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. So he's hearkening back to this Old Testament language. He's saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Set free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now what does this mean? This means Jesus is aligning himself with this trajectory that began in Genesis 1, exists all through the Old Testament, pops up right with Jesus in the beginning of the New Testament to say, hey, that same spirit that was there when it all began, that empowered the Old Testament prophets, that came upon people for them to do special work, that same spirit is at work in me. 
and it's going to propel and fuel and empower me as I, God, became a human, right? And I'm here on earth with human limitations now. Don't worry, I'm not limited, Jesus says. I've got that same spirit within me. And that spirit's going to empower me as I do what I'm called to do. This is exactly what happened. I mean, Jesus on earth is doing miracles, and he's literally, I mean, everything he said he'd do, proclaiming freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, setting free the oppressed, he does all those things because God's spirit is with him. And then after three years of healing and teaching and praying and ministering, on the night when he was betrayed, we see it in John 14, Jesus tells his followers that the spirit, when he goes, is going to come back for them with power. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go away. I'm going to die and be resurrected, and then I'll ascend up into heaven. It'll be really cool. You'll never forget it. But don't worry. When that happens, God's Spirit is going to come upon you and empower you to build a new kind of community, empower you to carry this family that we've been cultivating forward, empower you to like build this church that we've been talking about for so long. Now, friends, I know we covered a lot of ground today. I work as like a substitute teacher sometimes, so I can tell when we've like hit content point, and we might have got there, okay? We glossed over books and chapters and like literally probably hundreds of pages in your Bible. We just did maybe together in 10 or 15 minutes. We said a lot of names. We've heard a lot of stories. We might have gotten lost in some details, and that is okay, because here's the main point of this morning. I want to make it really simple. The simple point is this. If you are curious about following Jesus, or if you claim to be a Christian, or if you've decided to let like the good news of the scriptures, the good news of the gospel, be the kind of good news that shapes your whole life, then you need to know, and I need to know, that not engaging the Holy Spirit is not an option. Right? Not engaging the Holy Spirit is not an option. Now, engagement with the Spirit will look different for all of us based on what gifts we give and things we give. Chris gets to teach that in a little bit, right? That'll happen. Like, in a couple weeks, you'll know what engagement looks like. But this morning, you just need to know, hey, not engaging with the Holy Spirit, at least as we read the Scriptures, is not an option. Because the Holy Spirit is an essential person of the Godhead. He's like essential personnel in all of Scripture. He's one of God's three He's present through all that God has done on earth. Right? The Holy Spirit, God's personal presence, has carried out his purpose in the world. He did it for Old Testament leaders. He did it through Jesus. And he wants to do it for us as well. And so this is why we've titled this exploration of God's spirit, this new like message series we're beginning today, this is why we've titled it More. Maybe you saw that on our Instagram. We're calling this series more. It's because we believe there's an invitation for each of us to experience more of God's presence, and specifically to get kind of like more of an intimate connection with God's spirit. So as this series begins today, and as this message comes to a close, and we enter a period of really extended response, and a little bit of guided training that's coming next, um, I just want to ask everyone a question. The question is this, what might more mean for you? And what might more mean for you? We're starting this journey called More. For the next four weeks after this, we're going to be thinking about, okay, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, what might more mean for you? Perhaps the next few weeks are an opportunity for you to get to know more of God than you already have. Maybe you're one of those people that's like, yeah, you know, I've heard about Jesus. I'm acquainted with my Heavenly Father. I'm not sure I've really met this Spirit. 
Maybe you haven't spent time to get to know him intellectually or relationally or personally. Um, if so, is this your opportunity to get to know more of God, to get to know this whole other person of God, like the one God, three persons, to get to know more of God than you already have? Um, or maybe is this here a chance for you to experience more of God's power? Because you see, the Holy Spirit, like when the Spirit shows up, usually shows up in power. I mean, he has great power, like Jesus said, power to heal and free and transform. All these amazing, powerful things Jesus did are fueled by this powerful Holy Spirit. So over the next few weeks, might there be an opportunity for you to experience more of God's power? And if that's something you're curious about, it's one of the reasons we're doing that special event on November 14th. We want to like give some practical training and teaching around what that could look like. Is this an opportunity for you to experience more of God's power? Or is this series more? Is this a chance for you to become more like Jesus? I mean, again, Jesus relied upon the Holy Spirit when he was on this earth. The reason that Jesus was able to do all that he was able to do is both because he was connected to his Father and he was empowered by the Spirit. Perhaps this series is a great chance for you to become more like Jesus by leaning into more of the Spirit's power. Right, the Spirit helps to have more courage to do the thing you know you need to do, or to say no to that thing you know you shouldn't be doing. Right? Might more mean that you use this time to lean into the Spirit's help to become more like Jesus. And I don't know what it'll mean to you, and honestly, it'll mean different things to all of us in this room. I mean, the, the beautiful thing about God's Spirit is that the Spirit's always personal. And the Spirit speaks to us individually and guides us in accordance with God's Word into what we should be doing. And so I just want you to know that the next few weeks, we're going to have all sorts of opportunities to learn more and to experience more of God's Spirit. But this morning, like I said, we switched everything around. We're doing it all backwards. You guys can take a deep breath because we've already made it through the message. If you're checklist people, check that off your list. Right, but here's what we have ahead. Chris is going to lead us in a special time where we're going to take some first baby steps together to engage the Holy Spirit. Okay, maybe this is like super scary. Maybe you're like, oh, this is like old hat for me. Whatever it is, it'll be fun for all of us. But Chris will lead us in that. And then we're going to have a really extended time of worship where you can continue to pray on your own. You can pray with other folks. It'll be back behind like these little black panels. We don't know if we're going to call them the prayer panel, but they just make really cool places to pray on the other side of them, right? Uh, so there'll be people to pray with you there. You can pray on your own. You can sing with the band. As always, we have the Lord's table available because we believe that every time we gather, we want to take Jesus' word seriously, but as often as you need. Have this bread, drink this cup, remember my death and my resurrection. So that's open as well. You can take that on your own or with friends. If you follow Jesus, right, come remember his death and his resurrection. So the table's going to be available during this extended time. But the big point is this. Not... Not engaging the Holy Spirit is not an option. We want to be the kind of church that helps you engage this person who's part of the Godhead. And we don't just want to, like, teach and say a bunch of things. We want to do it practically together. And so this kind of, like, open workshop environment that we're cultivating, lean into it and use it as you feel led. If you need to pray and talk to God about some stuff, do it. If there's some things you want to ask others to pray for you about, like, do that as well. Whatever it is, take this time seriously, because I know I don't get much time like this during the week. And we've got a beautiful space together to embrace God and experience more of Him. I'm ready to lean in. I'm ready to follow Chris's example and instructions. I'm ready to follow Jesus with the King of the Spirit. I'm ready to see what God has for us this morning.